0: You are now tuned into The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is sponsored by Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church of Early Texas. Grace Point meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. Grace Point meets at the Early Chamber of Commerce while their new worship facility is under construction. More information can be found online at pointtolife.wordpress.com or by mailing Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church at P.O. Box 3134, Early Texas, 76803 that's grace point missionary baptist church p.o box 3134 early texas 76803 and now with this week's study of the scriptures here's pastor leland acker
1: as we continue our journey through the bible i'd like to take a day here and spend some time studying the life of joseph okay so today we'll study the life of joseph The life of Joseph is captured in Genesis chapters 37 through 50, but today, and for the purpose of our study, we'll focus on Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. And the reason we're focusing on Genesis chapter 37, even though the life of Joseph expands and is recorded in Genesis chapters 37 through 50, is that uh, Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11 Kind of gives us the prophecy of the way Joseph's life would go. It gives us the trajectory, and it shows us God's plan in his life. So that's where we'll begin reading. Genesis chapter 37, verses 1 through 11. Genesis chapter 37, verse 1 says, And Jacob dwelt in the land wherein his father was a stranger, in the land of Canaan. These are the generations of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was feeding the flock with his brethren, And the lad was with the sons of Bilhah, and with the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought unto his father their evil report. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a coat of many colors. And when his brethren saw that their father loved him more than all his brethren, they hated him and could not speak peaceably unto him. And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream which I have dreamed. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf arose, and also stood upright. And behold, your sheaves stood round about, and made obeisance to my sheaf. And his brethren said unto him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams and for his words. And he dreamed yet another dream, and told it his brethren, and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. And he told it to his father and to his brethren, and his father rebuked him, and said unto him, What is this dream that thou hast dreamed? Shall I and thy mother and thy brethren indeed come to bow down ourselves to thee to the earth? And his brethren envied him, but his father observed the saying. There's one more verse I would like to throw in here as we study the life of Joseph this morning. This verse kind of shows the theme of Joseph's life. In Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, the Bible says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive in genesis chapter 50 verse 20 joseph tells his brothers that what they meant for evil god meant for good and god was able to use for good and that's a common theme that's going to run through joseph's life is that all the bad things that happened to him and he goes through a pretty tough time all the bad things that happened to him are for the purpose of god working things together for his good the good of his family and the good of the general public so in studying the life of joseph let's take a look at a summary of the life of joseph joseph If you remember back in Genesis chapter 30, verse 24, and Genesis 37, 3 speaks to this as well. Joseph was the first son of Rachel and Jacob, and therefore was favored above the sons of Leah and the handmaids. Now, remember, Jacob Jacob loved Rachel. When he first saw her, he loved her, fell in love with her, wanted to marry her, and to... Uh, father a nation with her and Rachel was into this Rachel loved Jacob back and so you remember Jacob made the agreement with Rachel's father Laban to work for seven years and he could marry Rachel well after seven years of labor Laban pulled a stunt on him and gave him Leah instead And so Jacob made another deal with Laban where he could work seven more years to marry Rachel. And so Jacob winds up with two wives here. There's Leah and then there's Rachel and they start giving him their handmaids to be wives to him. But Rachel wasn't able to have children. And so there were issues there between Jacob and Rachel because she couldn't have children. But eventually the Lord opened her womb and she brought forth a son and named him Joseph. And so because... Jacob finally had a son with his most favored wife, Rachel, um, named Joseph. He tended to favor Joseph a little bit. And because he was the favorite son, his brothers hated him. And it really drove them crazy because Joseph was the one that would tell on them. He was given the best gifts, a coat of many colors. And they got tired of it. And so his brothers captured him one day, threw him in a pit, and then sold him to slave traders who then sold him to a nobleman in Egypt named Potiphar. Now, when Joseph was sold into slavery, the Bible tells us that the Lord was with him. It specifically states that in Genesis chapter 39, verse 2, that the Lord was with Joseph. Now, Joseph has been betrayed by his brethren, has been sold into slavery, but the Bible tells us that the Lord was with him. So even as he's going through some of the worst betrayal and some of the worst things you can imagine, the Lord was still with him and he was eventually sold to Potiphar now Potiphar sees that the Lord was with Joseph he sees that God still has his hand on him and and that's that's a testament right there where God has his hand on you to the point that people around you can see that the Lord is with you that is a testimony right there and so Potiphar sees that the Lord is with Joseph and so Potiphar makes him the overseer of his entire estate. Joseph winds up running Potiphar's business for him, winds up running his finances for him, his investments for him, his household for him, to the point that Potiphar didn't even know what he had. Potiphar just knew that uh, Joseph had it taken care of. And so when Potiphar needed money to go to the market or Potiphar needed money to go do a business deal, I mean, Joseph's just like, okay, well, here's what you got and here's, here's what you can have and uh, all the best to you, Potiphar. And so Potiphar had withheld nothing from Joseph. Joseph is getting to run all of Potiphar's business, and this, for some reason, seemed to draw the attraction of Potiphar's wife. And so Potiphar's wife makes a move on Joseph, uh, entices him to go and lie with her, as the Bible would say. But Joseph uh, is having no part of it. He says, "No, you know, my my master has withheld nothing from me. Shall I sin against him?" And, and so what happens is. Potiphar's wife grabs a hold of him and basically tells him, you're going to do this. And Joseph uh, slips out of his coat and runs away. And so she's left there holding his coat. And so she takes that opportunity to falsely accuse Joseph of trying to take advantage of her. And so when Potiphar's wife, when Potiphar, Here's the false accusation from his wife when Potiphar's wife tells Potiphar that that servant that Hebrew slave that you brought in here tried to take advantage of me uh, Potiphar has him thrown into prison And so Joseph's life appears to be going from bad to worse first He's been sold into slavery now. He has been falsely accused of a heinous crime And so he's being thrown into prison for that heinous crime But the Bible tells us that even after he was thrown into prison for this heinous crime that he didn't commit The Bible tells us the Lord was still with him. And the jailer, the guy who ran the prison, saw that the Lord was still with Joseph. And so Joseph is appointed to oversee all the inmates. And so Joseph winds up running a wing of this prison, and the jailer's not even concerned about what Joseph is doing. It's literally a situation where you have an inmate running the prison. A, an inmate running the asylum, if you will. Uh, but God is with Joseph, and so Joseph is doing the right thing, and he's trustworthy, and everybody around him sees this. And so as Joseph is running the prison, uh, there's a butler and a baker that are brought into the prison, and they, were, they had done something to upset Pharaoh. There's traditional teaching that teaches that there was an attempt on Pharaoh's life, and so some of his servants were thrown into prison for an assassination attempt now the Baker and the Butler they begin to have dreams and the Butler dreams that uh, he is able to uh, he is able to take wine you know squeezes grapes wine comes out he's able to serve it to Pharaoh And then the baker has a dream that he has baskets of bread on top of his head, and the birds are eating the bread out of the top basket. And so Joseph interprets these dreams, and basically what he tells the butler is that he'll be restored into the house of Pharaoh, but he tells the baker that uh, he's going to be executed. And within three days, both of those things happen. The butler is taken back up into Pharaoh's house. The baker is executed. Joseph uh, begged the baker to tell Pharaoh about him, And the butler forgot about him uh, for many years until Pharaoh started having some troubling dreams. And then the butler remembers Joseph, and so the butler tells Pharaoh, hey, listen, you're having these troubling dreams. I know a guy who can interpret those for you. And so Joseph is brought out of prison, taken to Pharaoh. Pharaoh tells him his dreams, and Joseph Uh, under the power of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit is able to interpret that dream and to prepare the nation for the coming famine that was being prophesied in those dreams. And so Pharaoh, realizing the power of the Lord here and realizing the grave situation, made Joseph a leader of Egypt where he saved the nation and also ultimately his family. And so there are some lessons to be learned here. And then eventually his family comes into Egypt uh, looking for grain and Joseph is able to not only give them grain but to be reconciled to them and to forgive them and then to once again be able to live amongst his brethren and see his father again. And so there's kind of a happy ending here. Now the lessons that we learn from Joseph's life if you look at the fact that when he began this life when he became when he came of age when he began working in the fields with his father and with his brethren he's having these dreams about the sheaves of grain that are bowing, the uh, dream of the sun and the moon and the stars bowing to him, you get the idea that he's having dreams that are going to prophesy the course of his life. And so with that, you see that God is already telling Joseph what he is going to go through. And so God had a plan for his life, and God was the one that brought him through that plan and brought him through the life that he had planned for him. So what this tells us is that God has a plan for our lives if you look at the life of joseph you've got to see from the dreams in genesis chapter 37 to the way things turned out in genesis chapters 43 through 45 and on through the end of the book of genesis you can see that god had a plan for the life of joseph and joseph saw this plan in his dreams in genesis chapter 37 verses 6 through 7 the bible says and he said unto them here i pray you this dream which i have dreamed For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and lo, my sheaf arose and also stood upright and behold, your sheaves stood round about and made obeisance to my sheaf. Joseph's dreams saw him rise to prominence over his brothers and the dream that showed him rise to prominence over his brothers involved sheaves of grain. And so this rise to prominence This rise to prominence, this rise to power, uh, this uh, favor that has been placed on Joseph uh, is centered around the sheaves of grain. So it indicates that it would be with sustenance or prosperity. And so what this dream is indicating is not only would Joseph become the favored son and wind up having power over his brothers, but there would be food and prosperity involved in this. And so Joseph is going to wind up blessing his brothers in such a way that they're able to be sustained and they're able to prosper. And in doing so, Joseph is going to be at the top of the ladder here, so to speak. And so that's his first dream. His second dream comes in Genesis chapter 37, verse 9, and he dreamed yet another dream and told it his brethren and said, Behold, I have dreamed a dream more, and behold, the sun and the moon and the eleven stars made obeisance to me. This dream showed Joseph rising to prominence over his parents as well and it offended his brothers. They resented him but and his father rebuked him but the Bible also says his father observed it which means that his father believed it and his father uh, lived in such a way that he believed that his son would rise to such prominence. And if you look at uh, how the his mother and his father and his brothers are represented in this dream, they're represented as the sun, the moon, and the stars, the 11 stars. And so these are heavenly bodies, and so these are very powerful and important symbols that are bowing to Joseph. And this tells us the level of power and prominence that Joseph was gonna rise to. So he's gonna rise to power and prominence and be able to provide grain and sustenance and prosperity for his family, but his prominence is not gonna be limited to that among his family or among the people of Canaan. It's gonna wind up being a very powerful position. Now, Egypt, back in those days, was the world's lone superpower. It was the most powerful nation on Earth, and if you ruled Egypt to a certain degree, you ruled the entire Earth. And the, the position of Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, was so powerful that many people regarded him as a god, and Pharaoh himself, in, in some cases, regarded himself as a god, okay? So this is a very powerful position. And so this dream that Joseph has tells us that he's going to do more than just rise to prominence in his family, but he's going to rise to prominence in the world. He's going to wind up being a major leader, A major powerful player. God has his favor and his hand upon him. Joseph's dreams were an indication that God had a plan for Joseph's life. But if you look at the trajectory of Joseph's life, God definitely had a purpose for it and had his hand on it throughout the entire time. And so, what this teaches us is that God has a plan for our lives and we can trust him to uh, bring out those plans jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 says before i formed thee in the belly i knew thee and before thou camest forth out of the womb i sanctified thee and i ordained thee a prophet with the nations now looking at the life of jeremiah from jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5 god had a plan for jeremiah's life before he was even born he would be a prophet to israel that would preach repentance at a time that israel would not repent and so jeremiah would be the prophet that would preach the coming judgment of Israel. God had a plan for Jeremiah's life before he was even born. If God planned Joseph's life, as we see in Genesis chapter 37, and God planned Jeremiah's life, as we see in Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, it follows that he plans our lives as well. What separates Joseph and Jeremiah from most people is that Joseph and Jeremiah followed God's plan for their lives, most people resist. In Romans chapter eight, verses 29 through 30, the Bible tells us, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom whom he justified, them he also glorified. You see the Bible tells us in Romans 8:29 that for whom he did foreknow he also did predestinate. Now the doctrine of predestination doesn't need to be scary to us. A lot of people when you hear predestination you start thinking, "Oh, this this sounds like it might be going in a weird direction." But when you understand that predestination is done according to God's foreknowledge and his will, it doesn't become such a scary proposition. You see the Bible teaches us that you have the responsibility to Decide to follow the Lord you have the responsibility for the decision that you make whether you repent of your sins and trust Jesus Christ or whether you're obedient to the Lord in his will for your life whether you're obedient to God's word and his prescription for how to live life the Bible teaches that you have that ultimate choice to make and you have the free will to make that choice but God in his foreknowledge understands which choice you're going to make and so he predestines you. And so what Romans chapter 8 verses 29 and 30 tell us is that for whom he did foreknow, those of us he knows, those of us he has a relationship with, he predestines to be conformed to the image of his son. And so he has a plan for your life, a will for your life that will conform you to the image of Christ, just like uh, he did with Joseph. Joseph winds up being sold into slavery. Christ was sold for 30 pieces of silver. Joseph winds up being in prison. Joseph winds up uh, facing insurmountable odds but joseph wounds up saving his brethren christ wound up saving his people the, that being those of us who know him as Savior as well as his disciples and those around him in those days by paying for their sins on the cross and so Joseph winds up being conformed to the image of Christ uh, same thing with Jeremiah okay very similar situation and he has conformed us to the image of his of his son he is he, the God is conforming us to the image of his son Jesus Christ the question is whether or not we're submitting to that or whether or not we are fighting against it but God has a plan for your life and the plan for your life is to bring you into his kingdom to conform you into the image of his son to save you and to glorify you in his kingdom. That's God's will for your life. It looks different for some of us. Some of us he calls into ministry. Some of us he calls into mission. Some of us he calls simply to be good parents. Some of us he calls to be positive voices in our communities and our workplaces. But this is what God is doing in our lives. The question is, are we allowing God to work his plan in our lives? So God has a plan for our lives. The second thing we learn from the life of Joseph is that God is with us in all things. God was visibly with Joseph. Joseph. In Genesis chapter 39, verses two through three, the Bible tells us the Lord was with Joseph and he was a prosperous man and he was in the house of his master, the Egyptian. And his master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all all that he did to prosper in his hand. God was with Joseph and God prospered him to the point that Potiphar could see that God was with Joseph. And so Potiphar put him in charge because God was visibly with Joseph. The Bible also tells us in Genesis chapter 39, verses 21 and 22, but the Lord was with Joseph, notice that, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners that were in the prison, whatsoever they did there, and he was the doer of it. So even though Joseph was thrown into prison, God was still with him. And the fact that God was with him was so visible that the jailer put him in charge. And so when you look at the life of Joseph, the worst things that happened to Joseph, when his life is in its darkest hour, God is still with him. And even when when our lives are at their darkest hours, God is still with us. We have a tendency to think that God is with us through the good times, but when we're going through hard times, God has somehow withdrawn his presence from us, and somehow we have become separated from God, and we must have done something wrong. And in some cases, that's the truth. But the Bible teaches us that even when we are going through the trials and tribulations of life, that God is still with us. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 tells us, Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as ye have, for he hath said, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. The Lord has promised to never leave or forsake or turn his back on us. Therefore, he is always with us. And therefore, in whatsoever state of life that we are in, we should be content with what we have and where we are because we know that God is still with us. If God was still with Joseph going through his incarceration God is still with us, even though we may feel like we are in a prison of pain, or or we are trapped, or there's no way out, or we're in a hopeless situation. God is still with us in that situation, and so the Bible tells us to be without covetousness and to be content, because we know that the Lord will never leave us or forsake us. God is still with you, even if your life is in complete turmoil right now. Just turn to him and trust him and allow him to work in the situation. John chapter 14, verses 16 and 18, Jesus said, And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you another comforter, that he may abide with you forever. And I will not leave you comfortless, I will come to you. Jesus Christ is with us through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the comforter, he guides us. John chapter 16, verse 13 says he will guide you into all truth. He will guide you into knowledge. He will guide you into the Lord's truth. He will guide you into obedience to the Lord. The Lord is with us through the Holy Spirit, and therefore the Lord is with us at all times. And so what we're learning from the life of Joseph this morning is that God has a plan for our lives, and God is with us in all things. Finally, and this is very evident in the life of Joseph, That God works all things to good. Genesis chapter 50 verse 20 says, and this is the words of Joseph, he says, but as for you, ye thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. Joseph's brother sold him into slavery. They sold him into slavery out of jealousy and hatred. They wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to get him out of the way. They didn't want to have to share their father's inheritance with him, or even worse, have him take all the inheritance and keep them as servants. And so uh, they hated him. They were afraid of him, so they sold him into slavery. Potiphar's wife acted out of lust and anger. And all of these situations in Joseph's life led to disaster in his life. If you just look at it from a here-and-now situation, Joseph sold into slavery, and then Joseph sent to an Egyptian prison. And by the way, unlike many of the prisons in the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, uh, some of the prisons have air conditioning, some of them don't, but these were not clean facilities. These were not modern facilities. It was very likely a cave. There was very likely very dingy situations and conditions there and very unsanitary conditions a uh, sentence to prison back in ancient times could be a sentence to death because uh, once you were sent to that prison it was very likely you would contract some sort of illness and find yourself uh, suffering from that illness to the point of death because they didn't really have good prison health care back then and so joseph winds up being sold into slavery then sold, then sent to prison and that's a very dark situation but God used all of those experiences to bring Joseph into Pharaoh's court because had he not been in the prison he wouldn't have met the he wouldn't have met Pharaoh's butler. Had he not met Pharaoh's butler, he couldn't have interpreted Pharaoh's butler's dream. Had he not interpreted Pharaoh's butler's dream, then Pharaoh's butler couldn't have told Pharaoh about Joseph when Pharaoh was having unsettling dreams. And so it was those situations that brought Joseph into a place Where God could promote him into Pharaoh's court and he could wind up being the one to not only save the nation of Egypt, but also his own family. And so when Joseph says, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good, that's what Joseph is saying. The things that you did against me that you meant for evil, God was able to turn those evil deeds around and use them for good, not only for me, but also for those around me. Romans chapter 8 verse 28 says, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are thee called according to his purpose. God works all things in our lives to bring us into his plan. He, he wants us to be in his plan. He wants us to live his plan. He wants us to be uh, comforted and to be glorious in his plan. And so he works all things in our lives to bring us into his plan. He also works all things in our lives to bring us into his kingdom. And that's what uh, Romans eight twenty eight through 30 are talking about, how God works all things to bring us to a point of submission, repentance, faith, obedience, and then ultimately into his kingdom. And therefore, knowing that God is working everything in our lives to bring us into his kingdom where we will ever live to be with him, we can trust him in all things and be submissive to him in all things. And so no matter what's going on in your life, what's going on in your life is a phase. It's a transitional period. God is working something in your life. And I can't tell you how long you're going to be in this time. I can't tell you how long this trial or tribulation is going to last. But I can promise you that it's not happening for nothing, that it's not without cause, that it doesn't have a happy ending. I'm telling you that God is working in your life to bring about something big. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, it could be that God is working to bring you to the point where you will turn from your sins and trust Jesus to save you so that he can bring you into his kingdom. If you're a Christian who's going through tough times right now, it could be that God is working things to refine you into the person that he intends on you being. Or God may be in the process of moving you to a place where You can honor and glorify him where he can be glorified by your life, but also where you can be a part of something really special. God works things in our lives to our good, to his honor and his glory. And so what we learn from the life of Joseph is we learn, first of all, to be content that God is working his plan and is present in all things and is working things to our good. And in seeing that, we learn that we can trust God even during the hard times And the final thing, if you notice in Genesis chapter 50, he actually extends forgiveness to his brethren because of all the good things that came out of what they did to him. And what we learn from that is just as Joseph forgave his brethren, who sold him into slavery by the way, who could have cared less if he died. In fact, they wanted to kill him. But, you know, and Joseph would have had reason to hold a grudge against him, but he didn't. He forgave him. And if Joseph can forgive his brethren, we can forgive those who have harmed us. I want to thank you for listening today. May God bless you. May God keep you. If you want to get in contact with us, you can do so. Just log on to to lifewordpresscom Thank you and may God bless you
0: you've been listening to The Point, the radio show that explores the Bible, studies its meaning, and affirms your faith with solid Bible teaching. The Point is a radio ministry of Grace Point Missionary Baptist Church, which meets for Sunday school at 10 a.m., morning worship at 11 a.m. at the Early Chamber of Commerce, 104 East Industrial Drive in Early, just off Highway 377, next to Pate's Hardware. Mail to PO Box 3134, Early, Texas 76803. May God bless you and thank you for listening.